So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today, a little bit into uh, chapter 5. And uh, let's, just, let's just begin to read in, in verse 1. It says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, you know, that first part, he's just simply talking about, you know, we're not going to do crazy stuff. We're not going to tamper with God's word. We're not going to practice cunning. We're not going to come up with, with deceitful ways of reaching people. Simply, we are going to share the truth of the word of God. Even it says, if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. I like that. What we're talking about here, what we're proclaiming, what we're all about, it's not about us. This is all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so he's talking about this, the whole nature of just simply sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of what it means to know Jesus, what it means to, to know Christ. That's, that's, that's what we're all about, understanding and knowing what, what, the, what, what God has done, what this life is, what we're living, what it's all about. And then he says something really cool, which is where I want us to focus today. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. And one of the things that you've probably discovered or realized at some point is that anytime you've seen a jar of clay, every time you've seen some pottery or some kind of vessel of that nature, it's not very strong, is it? Jars of clay are pretty, pretty weak. Um, and if you've ever made one before, has anyone ever done pottery before? Like done the, the whole thing where you, they call it, you throw a, uh, a vessel or, a, you know, a potter on the potter's wheel. You, I've tried to make bowls before. I've tried to make, uh, you know, bigger uh, vases and things. You've done it before, Edie? Yeah. Every How's, time I try, Patrick Swayze ends up behind me. Sorry, uh, I was never good at it. We worked with the kids at Mental Health Center when I was Did you? And had that kill and all that. Yeah, if, you, if, if you've ever done it before, you know that you get to a certain point, uh, if things are not quite balanced, the whole thing will just collapse, won't it? It'll, ju- it'll just fall. The thing is, is that, that jars, jars of clay, they are, they are fragile. But it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We carry around this treasure. The, the jars of clay, essentially, that, that Paul's talking about is us. He's talking about humanity. He's talking about him and, and the rest of the apostles. We, we carry around 
this treasure, though. We have to keep in mind how special what we have in Christ is and how important it is. It's, a, it's truly a treasure. But it is, it is a power from God. It's, it's not from us. We carry this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I think that's interesting. So the first picture I just wanted you to keep in your mind is this, is that we have this treasure. The treasure is the gospel. It's the good news. It's what we're supposed to be sharing with this world. It's the light of the world. We're the, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, if you will. We are the ones that God has given us responsibility, the task, if you will, of spreading the good news. Just a little bit later in 2 Corinthians 5 is that passage we've talked about so often that talks about our being ambassadors, us being representatives of Christ. And so this treasure that we carry around, it's interesting that what, what Paul talks about next is this whole concept of, uh, of realizing that, you know what, we are afflicted in every way but we're not crushed, perplexed, you know, perplexed or confused or uh, feeling like you're at the bottom many times, right? But not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And with the idea of the vessel, he says, always carrying in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So, Keeping in mind this picture of this treasure, keeping in mind that we're, we're jars of clay, we carry around this special message, we carry around the, the power of God with us as Christians. But even in, in the midst of that, we, we can face really difficult times, can't we? Now, Paul and them, you know, were going through all kinds of persecution just from being Christians in particular, in, a partic- in this society where, you know, where Rome was was um, oppressing them in, in very difficult and harsh ways. So they were in a different time than we were, but the general idea of, of facing hard times is huge. And he has an interesting perspective that I want us to look at today. Though we are weak on the outside, though we are just a jar of clay, The treasure on the inside, the very Spirit of God makes all the difference. The strength of God and of His Spirit makes all the difference. We can face hard times on the outside, but still remain strong on the inside. And he has this mentality, he says, we are afflicted in every way. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not what? What does he say? We're not crushed. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed. 
I love that word. You ever had something you just don't know how in the world you're going to figure this out? You know, it's, we, as Americans this time, we feel like we can do just about anything. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but every once in a while we will hit something, right, where we are just perplexed. The situation is beyond us. We cannot figure out how in the world this particular thing is going to be dealt with. And there might be a lot of things that are just simply out of our power. They're out of our control. And we're perplexed. How are we going to deal with this? We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Where others might be driven to despair, Christians are not driven to despair because of what? Because of faith in God. Because of what is inside this jar of clay is much stronger than the outside. We can be afflicted but not crushed. We can be literally perplexed and lost but not actually driven to despair as others would be. Because there is hope in Christ, there is faith in Christ. What is in us is what's stronger than what's on the outside. We can be persecuted. But I like this, persecuted but not what? What's the word? Persecuted but not forsaken. What do you think is missing in that? I think it's kind of just an interesting note here. If you're, if you're persecuted, what do you want to happen? You want help with the persecution, right? But he says, persecuted but not forsaken. In other words, he's not dealing with the persecution. He's dealing with you being alone in the persecution. We're going to, the point is we're going to face all kinds of stuff from the outside. We're going to face all kinds of troubles and issues and situations and, and all this. But he says, you know what? You're, you're, you're afflicted, but you're not crushed. You're perplexed, but you're not driven to despair. You're persecuted, but you're not forsaken. You are not alone. You're going to deal with stuff. Interesting. He says, you might even be struck down, but you will not be destroyed. I read this kind of thing, and, and as a kid, I guess always the cool thing, one of the cool movies I always liked to, to see was Rocky. This is a guy who, you know, is this little, little dude and was, goes up against, you know, all these other different boxers who literally could have just, you know, ble- beat him to a bloody pulp. And the guy just keeps getting up, always getting up, just getting up. Nothing knocks Rocky down. He has just this, this inner core to himself, if you will, this thing that's on the inside that it doesn't matter what his body looks like, no matter how little he is or how fragile he looks. I wouldn't say he looks fragile per se, but compared to some of the guys he boxes, nothing puts him down. He continues to get back up. Why? I'd say down but not out. Down but not out, yeah. Yeah, because even here it says what we just read, struck down but not destroyed. And some of, some of us might feel like, well, great, so that, I'm not sure how wonderful a promise this is. 
Well, the other saying is, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up. Yeah. But I think it's key to note that, that, that we are given the ability to get back up. We are afflicted. You will be afflicted in every way, but not crushed. You will be perplexed, but you won't be in despair. You'll be persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, there's, there's this mentality that we, we have this, we focus way too much just as humans, period, and believers, unfortunately, on the outside rather than the inside. And, and we, we, we try to protect the jar of clay. We look after the jar of clay, per se, and we, we, when we really need to be focused on the strength that comes from the inside, the strength that comes from the Spirit of God, the strength that comes from having faith in the Lord and knowing that and expecting that we will be afflicted, expecting that we'll be um, persecuted. There are times where we'll be perplexed or times that we'll be struck down. You don't see, regardless of the things you might hear a TV preacher say, Christianity being something that's easy, that, 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 um, that the blessing of God means that it's all, all going to be peaceful. We don't see that. And you can point to someone like Paul for, for an example. I wish that I had, looking at it, you know, the, the spiritual life that Paul had, right? You could hold up a lot of apostles. I wish I had the faith of, you know, the, the passion and love, you know, and the faith of, of Paul and Peter and, and all these guys. Okay, well, great, if you did, what were their lives like? Was it easy for them? What did the blessing of God mean for them? It meant difficult times, it meant persecution, it meant struggle. But they had this understanding, this mentality that what was on the inside, right, was greater. That it was literally just a clay vessel. That life really is not about the outside. It's about, it's about the Spirit of God. It's about what God's doing, not what, what we're doing. That's going to be, become clear the more we read. It says... So we, we have this mentality, says, but we're always, we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What do you think that means? I just want to throw that out there. I'm just curious what your perspective might be. We can celebrate, we can exalt on Easter and the resurrection of Christ and the life of Christ and, and, and the power of God. But all that came about because of his sacrifice, didn't it? He says all these things, but he says we're always carrying in the body, in this, this vessel, he, this is what the jar of clay is, we're always carrying in this body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. The, the affliction, the trouble, the, the, the sin, all, all the stuff that was placed on Christ, the sacrifice brought about something. It brought about the life and the res- it brought about forgiveness. It brought about new life. It, it was transformational, wasn't it? 
And so there's this understanding that they know that if they're going to go through perplexing and crushing and, and struck down kind of moments and times that as they carry about the death of Christ, it's for a reason. It's so that the life of Jesus may be manifested, it says, in our mortal flesh. When we deal with the tough stuff and hold on to the strength that comes from the Spirit of God, it's for a reason. It's so that the life of Christ might come from us, that it might flow from us. Out of persecution comes things like this. Out of struggle comes things like this. And so they understand that. It says, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. And he even says this, he says, for death is at work in us, but life in you. He's talking to the Corinthian church. The apostles were being put in all the most difficult situations, but it was for a reason. It was for, it was for the church. You know, it was for, for the growth of the church. They were reaping the blessings of the difficult times that the apostles were having. We're put in troubled times in order to shine. The death of Jesus brings forth life. Let's continue to, to read. It says, Since we have the, the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. It's interesting. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. He goes back here, he says, I believed and so I spoke. It's a reference back into to Psalms. To Psalm 136, I believe, back there. And the context is 116. What's that? I think it's 116. 116. Um, it says, I believed and so I spoke. The belief is what? It's on the, it's on the inside. I believed and so I spoke. Again, we, we have this treasure that's in this jar of clay. And because we believe, because we have faith, we do something about it. We speak. We take, we take action. It's that, that spirit of faith within us that, that it's, meant to be, it's meant to be spoken. It's meant, it's meant to be used. That even though we're afflicted, even though we're persecuted, even though we're, we're kept down and we go through difficult times, this belief is for a reason that we would speak out that this treasure that's inside this jar of clay is poured out for others. Treasure isn't carried around just to be treasure on the inside, right? It's like if you have light, you put it on a lampstand, Jesus says, so that it, that it lights up the entire house, that, that it's a city that's on a hill that's not supposed to be hidden. The problem is, is that these guys that were undergoing persecution, they could have just kind of held that inside, tried to protect all of that on the inside, tried to shelter themselves and make it easier, try to kind of hide yourself from the storm, try to, try to withdraw. What, isn't that what we do when we, when we go through difficult times? We kind of pull away, we, we withdraw, we kind of retreat, we kind of cocoon 
a little bit. We try to protect. We try to take things into our hands. It says, but I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus, this is key, isn't it? Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. Why is resurrection significant? So we don't stay dead. <laughs> yeah, so we don't stay dead. But uh, that's true. Uh, but, but I guess I just think about what does that mean knowing that as you go through life? That you won't stay dead. Yeah. What does that mean like in the life that we live now knowing that you won't stay dead? How does that impact you, is my question. How does that affect the way you live now? If, if you didn't have, if you, if you knew you, you're dead and that was it, as opposed to you're not going to stay dead, what's the benefit? What's the difference there? Well, I want to meet the criteria of who gets to not stay dead. One. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, it gives me hope that there is, I don't have to stay dead. Mm -hmm. well, I think it makes you braver, gives you more courage, because you know, regardless of what you, like if you're courageous and go through persecution and all, you still know that you're alive. All right. What can hold us down? It's that passage, you know, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? You know, if there is no fear of death, you know, what is it that can, can stop you? If you're not, you know, a fear, fear of death, fear in general, keeps people from, from, from doing a lot. Keeps people from, from really living in many ways. From doing things, you know, that fear will hold, hold you back. It can be very controlling. When we realize our life is more than just a jar of clay, a fragile jar of clay, we don't have to be fragile with it because everyone else that doesn't have the treasure on the inside is trying to protect this jar of clay because they think this is all they have. It's this fragile vessel. And that, once it's gone, it's gone. It's it. If that's all you have to life, you're going to try to protect that. You're going, to, you're going to watch over that carefully. But when you realize life is more than that, when you realize that because we serve Christ, that, that, that we will be raised as well, just like Jesus was, that, that's huge. He says, for, the, for it's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now let's keep going. It says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed every day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things 
that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What kind of perspective are we seeing here? We're seeing God's perspective, that's right. But we're being encouraged to, to not look at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What are the things, essentially, then, that are going to last? What are we, it's about what, are we, what, it's about what, we're, what we're focused on, essentially. If we're just focused on the, the fragile vessel, we're, we're wasting our time. But if we're focused on the things that are, that are greater than that, if we're focused on the, the unseen things, we're focused on the eternal things. I think that's why they say, well, as you get older, you you really, it's like you have a different understanding and appreciation of what's important. You know, like when you start off, you're all into the job, into the money, all that sort of stuff. And then as you get older, it becomes more relationships, love, peace. And I, I think that that's, you know, that's kind of like what, you know, how I relate. It's a good point. It's a good point. Because early on, people would gladly sacrifice, not gladly, uh, but would sac will sacrifice relationship mm -hmm. for the sake of promotion, for the sake of a better job, for the sake of more money. Yeah. And then when you begin to step back and actually have a real perspective, you realize, well, wait a minute. Why am I wanting to be promoted? Why am I wanting to have more money? Oh, it's all because of the stuff that actually really is important. Right. It's about these relationships. It's about these, these people. It's not about my self-promotion. That's good. So this says momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. We have to have a, a bigger perspective. You know, we're always asking, we should always be asking ourselves this question, what is it that really matters? What is everything I'm doing for? And there's this continual battle, for, uh, I think, where we're, are we going to focus on the, the outside of the vessel or the inside? Are we going to focus on things that matter or on things that don't matter? If we're focused on things that are eternal, things that actually are lasting, things that, are ma that matter, then our life is shaped differently, isn't it? Our focus is different from day to day, our vision, our purpose, our perspective, all of, all of that is different. And we're willing to, to deal with the, the garbage and stuff that we take on differently because our strength is on the inside and we're focused on continuing to focus on what matters. The punches, you know, the knockdowns, thinking of Rocky in the ring, don't truly ever really affect them because it, is it getting to the inside you know the inside the core if you will is where this is where the strength is 
as we continue into chapter 5, it says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. So now he's talking about, initially talking about it as a jar of clay. Now he refers to our body as a tent. Tents are temporary, right? It's not a permanent dwelling. We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You have to be very careful there because growing up maybe in, in some, some of the stuff we've heard in church, we have a tendency to think the building he's talking about here is he's talking about heaven. He's talking about that mansion he's prepared for me. That's not what this is in context. He's talking about our life, our, our physical bodies initially as a jar of clay. Then he talks about our body as a tent. And then he says he is preparing a building for us. If you read other parts of, I think it's the end of Corinthians possibly, I'm trying to remember where it is, it talks about the new bodies that we'll have in Christ because of Christ. I, I can barely fathom what that, what that is, what that looks like, other than to think about Jesus when he came back from the dead. Next thing you know, he's here. Next thing you know, he's there. He's walking through walls. It's a different kind of body, but they could actually touch him too at the same time. It wasn't a spirit. It wasn't a ghost. And the Bible kind of describes this as a glorified body. Anyway, let's, there's more to this than that. For we know that if, our, that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, if we die, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Another reference to eternal life. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. That's a reference that goes all the way back to Genesis. As that they realized that they were, they were naked. That nakedness there is not a physical nakedness. It's a spiritual nakedness. It's an emptiness. It's an aloneness. It's a, and so that's what it's referring to. It's going back to Genesis. That indeed in putting it on, we may not be found naked. That we're complete. That we are connected um, with God the way that, we, that He intended for us to be. For while we are still in this tent, in this life, if you will, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. That's what's on the inside of the vessel. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's always... The, the contrast to this whole chapter here, these, well, the chapters, is a contrast between the outside and the inside. Walking by faith rather than sight. Trying to protect the outside rather than, or focus on the outside rather than the inside. Things that are temporal rather than things that are eternal. And it's this, 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 this back and forth 
thing that we, we struggle with. And I think there's always, there always needs to be these moments where our perspective is corrected. Because in life, we can easily get pulled aside, we can easily have our focus pulled away from what really matters. And when it is, it changes the course of our life. It changes how we're living. When we get focused on the outside of the vessel rather than the inside. When we get focused on protecting ourselves rather than fulfilling the calling God's given us, for example. Are we concerned about loving ourselves? Or are we concerned about loving others? There's, there's always those kinds of balances, those things. And so if we walk by faith and not by sight... I just want you to consider this this morning. Um, are you a spiritual Rocky? How, how, you know, how, how strong is your core, so to speak? They always say that the, the number one muscles that you need to hold on to are your abs, right? Because it kind of holds everything together, holds you up, keeps you going. It's, it's kind of the, it's your core of who you are. And if you don't have, don't have the strength in the center, you can't do anything else. You can't curl bicep curls. You can't do, you can't do anything. It kind of supports everything else. I'm just wondering if, what are we relying on? Where does your strength come from, right? Are you, are you, is your strength just in the jar of clay or is it on the inside of the jar? Because we will be afflicted. We will be perplexed. We will be persecuted. We will be struck down. But are relying upon the power of God so that when we're afflicted, we're not crushed. When we're perplexed, we're not driven to despair. When we're persecuted, we're not forsaken. When we're struck down, we're not destroyed. It's the Spirit of God who lifts us up. It's the Spirit of God who resurrects. It's the Spirit of God who gives strength for life. True strength. Because life is going to continually try to beat you down. Circumstances are going to continually try to beat you down. There is always literally going to be something. Some struggle, some stress, some problem, some issue. Always. There's always another battle. There's always another fight. Rocky always faces another opponent. As you know, the series never ends. They're still making Rocky movies. Yeah, another one in the mix. Another one's in the mix. Thank you, Eric. There's always a fight. Or is that a Rambo? That might be a Rambo, too, but he seems to never die as well. You know. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. That's where peace comes from. That's where life comes from. Are we walking by faith or are we walking by sight? Are we focused on the inside or are we focused on the outside? Let's pray. Lord, I... I, uh, Lord, I thank you so much for, uh, for your word. Lord, I pray that 
today that as we've as we've read it as we've studied lord that that it's not just words lord that that it goes to the core of who we are lord that we learn in greater ways to trust you lord that um, because of your spirit we have faith that we have strength because of your spirit lord that uh, when we're afflicted we're not crushed Lord, that we're not kept down or, or, the, or we go through the times of where we're just perplexed. We just feel hopeless or we feel what in the world, Lord, that we know that you're there and that you are victorious. We thank you that we're your children, that you care about us, that you love us. Lord, help us to be stronger in your spirit. Help us to rely upon you and not upon ourselves. Help us to go to the source of life. We love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I want to read one last passage that I forgot to look at. Turn in your books to your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> in 1 <clears throat> Timothy 4, we're going to look at verse 7. Because I just kind of wanted to mention this because there's it's one thing to 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 know this intellectually but there's there's a, a lot of scripture that reminds us that that we have to be strengthened spiritually it doesn't just happen you know um there there, there needs to be a focus there needs to be a some a spiritual training if you will to help us to get stronger Anyway, just, I, I just want to mention this. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, it says, Have nothing to do with, with irreverent, silly myths. It says, Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. I used to use that as an excuse not to exercise right there, just <laughs> if you need something. Um, but so... Have nothing to do with all these myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You know, I think it's an interesting question to ask yourself personally, though, too, sometimes. is How much do you really value godly training? How much value, how much stock do you put in it? You know, we, we, we'll train ourselves to do other things. We'll go to school for this, school for that, because we place a certain amount of value in it. How much value do we actually put in, in godliness, in becoming like the Lord, in walking in holiness, in knowing what God has to say? How much value do you put in it? Because it says, it, it, the Word of God tells you, it has value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and the life to come. It says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. See, I was going to read to, yeah, to verse 10. What amount of time, effort, 
are we putting into to that kind of training, to that kind of growth, to that kind of strength? You know, as we as we look at our, you know, if I go to I go home and I go to try to take out the trash and I realize I'm winded when I come back up and I start to think, well, I, I need to I probably need to go running some more, go walking, I gotta get my lungs in capacity. Okay? When it comes to our spiritual life, we just um, bark at somebody who think, man, my, where's, where's the love here? Where's the, that strength of, of spirit? Lord, strengthen me here. Maybe I'm, I'm not thinking more about, <laughs> about what your word says or about what love is. I'm going to spend some time kind of absorbing, thinking about, you know, uh, that love passage, you know. Um, where are we at with that? Um, we walk by faith, not by sight.